Welcome back to another episode of Crossing Broadcast. My name is Kyle Pagan. Hope everyone had a great weekend. I am coming to you from Florida. Uh, the villages, 80 degrees down here, visiting the girlfriend's family. Let's bring on Kevin Kincaid. I apologize for my mic. My mic too. I uh, I forgot my mic. Didn't pack it. So uh, we're doing it. We're doing it on the uh, on the old MacBook uh, speaker, Kev. Sound good to me, man. It sounds all right. Shout out to Steve Jobs. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so I'm down in the villages right now. Beautiful 80 degrees. I heard it's going to be 71 on Thursday down in uh, up there in Philadelphia. Yeah, I know. It's uh, it's feeling like feeling like Florida up here, man. I got some like tulips or something in the backyard. They're trying to come up already. Some crazy it, shit. It's like global warming, maybe. Um, people complain about this global warming stuff, but you know what? I just... Yeah, maybe global warming is actually good for us. 610-632. Listen, <laughs> next generation, the next generation's generation can can deal with global warming. I'll be perfectly fine. I will love the occasional 71 degree day in February uh, as I'm slogging through mostly 20, 30, 40 degree days in uh, in yeah. February and January. Give me the 70 degree days. Um so wait, is the villages are the villages cool? I've heard they're like kind of crazy, and they got their own like little they're like little cities, and they got their own like uh, yeah. city councils and crazy shit going on. Their own zip code, their own mailing address, all that shit. Yeah, the villages are an interesting spot. I wouldn't be caught dead down here. Um, I don't play golf. There's like 300 golf courses, nine holes, 18 holes. They do have their own little cityscapes where you go into a town and you have. You know, a chop house, you have an Italian place, you got a barbecue place, then you go to one, you know, a mile down the road, there's a there's a completely another one. It's basically adult Disney World. It's mm. adult Disney World. And uh, it's an interesting place. You know, there's not uh, every, nobody has really a car. Uh, they all just drive around in golf carts. Uh, not a lot. Of, not a lot of sidewalks. If I had to complain about one thing. No. Um, yeah, not a lot of sidewalks. So people just people just ride around in carts and stuff. But the villages are uh, they're cool. I mean, I'm sitting mm-hmm. here. I was you know, blogging all day and, uh, uh, girlfriend's, um, dad's watching Rocky three, you know, it feels like I'm back at home. It's a nice change of pace, man. A little bit of a different background. I don't have to look at that picture sitting on top of your dresser behind you. That people just don't understand. uh, (laughs) People just don't understand art. Art doesn't always have to be hung. Art can sometimes be on your dresser and just leaned up against the wall. People don't it's understand true. that. It's in it's what it's what you interpret it to be, right? It's like when you look at this canvas, what do you see? Like I don't know. I see a picture that's just sitting against the wall, right? Well, yeah. that's the whole point. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's uh it's uh what do they call that? They call it uh what's the type of uh artistry? Not feng shui. Abstract. Abstract. Abstract yeah. art. You just don't get it. If you don't get it, you know, you just don't get it. Yeah. Um yeah. Speaking of something that people are not understanding, not getting nothing. Um, it's 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 dresser art, Ford. It's for the dresser. It's it, it it really it ties the room together. Is what I is is what I'm thinking. Uh, like the Big Lebowski, the the art on my dresser leaned up against the wall. It really accents the place and it ties the whole room together. People love it when they stay over. Um, so speaking of people who who are shocked about uh about this according to Jonathan Gannett of all people he went out and told Peter King that the Eagles offered him more money to stay as a defensive coordinator than he'd be making as a coach which I, I can only perceive was him stacking up his deal that the Arizona Cardinals gave him 
to the deal that the Eagles put on the table, which, you know, I thought, I thought, I thought Jonathan Gannon was a bad coordinator. I thought he was the worst coordinator in the history of football, but you know, according to the guys at home, according to the guys who are in the know, according to the Eagles organization, it was worth it more paying him more money to stay than it was letting him go. And we know Jeffrey Lurie and Howie Roseman aren't afraid to kick out coordinators, especially after uh, Doug Peterson tells them that they're staying and their job is safe. Yeah. Yeah. I almost forgot about that whole debacle, man. Is that Mike grow. Yeah, that was Mike Grow. Yeah, because they did the press conference uh, saying that they're not like they're not going anywhere or whatever. And then like one day later, they uh, it was the very next day they fired him. I guess right, man. That was yeah. fucked up. Yeah, I've I must have blocked that out from my memory, man. I didn't remember that until you brought it up just now. I think the funny thing though is that I mean Gannon can say whatever, but no people are just going to choose not to believe him. Well, that's the thing. We posted we posted the quote. Everybody underneath the quote was like, "I don't believe this. I don't believe this." And even Derek Gunn was like. Howie would never do this, which I'm just I'm thinking to myself. Now you have Peter King writing about it, who is, you know, one of the best NFL reporters of, of all time. And I think mm-hmm. you had Albert Breer reported last week who said that the Eagles were doing their best to keep Jonathan Gannon. So, like, yeah, yeah. is this just a, a fake news? We don't trust the media. This is all bullshit kind of stuff. Smoke screens and everything. Like, yeah, you got you should have brought your tinfoil hat down to uh, the village. And put it <laughs> I am in Florida, it. the fake news capital of the world. So maybe I'm Yeah, I I can't understand. People just have no trust for anything right now. That like anything that's reported is just like, nah, didn't happen. Yeah, I just yeah, but then it's like you you play along with it for a minute and you say, okay, let's I'll give I'll throw you a bone and like, mate, what if what if Jonathan Gannon is making some shit up? What's the what would be the motivation for him to do that? You know, yeah, like getting getting back at the team for for wanting to get rid of for wanting him to like to foist him on the Cardinals. You know, yeah, there's no leverage. Yeah, and say that we're cutting our losses. I don't get it. I mean, to me, it'd be like if you got a head coaching job, I, you know, there's really nothing to say anyway, you know. Um, so I don't know. It seems smoke screenish from Howie. I've heard stories about him working with guys in the media and you know pro- proliferating information here and there, or whatever. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't put anything past him. But I don't know. It just, it just was kind of strange to hear all that, especially because like. Up until the Super Bowl, everybody was Yahoo, Gannon, Gannon, you know, and everybody was cool with him, you know. So now we need, you know, Philadelphia, you know, needs one person to blame, one singular scapegoat for for the the Super Bowl. And, uh, you know, Gannon's, Gannon's going to be that, you know. And it's just such a strange thing because, like, we can never <clears throat> really look at anything in its entirety. You know, he's always going to be damned by that defensive performance in the second half of the Super Bowl, you know. So I get it. I think I get it. I understand why people feel that way. It's just, I don't, I don't know if he was going to like, if there was going to be conflicting information, I just don't know like what his motivation would be. Yeah. For, yeah for I was surprised he even said anything at all, but like he, he could have never, I, I don't think he could have ever came back. I, um, I think people well, depending on, you know, who we get for defensive coordinator, there's Vance Joseph out there. There's Jim Leonard, not Leon hard Leonard. I just yeah. found that out. Uh, almost, almost WIP caller that one. And then, uh, and then I think Sean Desai is the yeah Sean Desai from the from the uh, Seattle Seahawks. Mm-hmm. Um, Jim Leonard, Vance Joseph. Uh, Jim Leonard has already interviewed Vance Joseph Wednesday and Thursday, doing it over a Zoom call. Can you mm-hmm. believe that? The Buddy Ryan uncle's very conflicted right now. You, how do you how do you know if you're a good defensive coordinator when you can't give a firm handshake? You know, obviously the blitz percentages are up there. He's been, you know, seventh and been top 10 since like, I think like 2016. So the Buddy Ryan uncles love that. Yeah. But Zoom interviews are for pussies. So they're very conflicted right now, the Buddy Ryan uncles. 
What do you yeah. think about this interview? Yeah, it's funny too because um, you know, B Doc came out and he said that he would have hated playing for Gannon. I think Gunner came out and he was, you know, pretty harsh about him or whatever. And I get it. I mean, we don't have to relitigate all that since we talked about it ad nauseum last week. I mean, we only did two shows that amounted to two hours last week. Can you imagine being the radio guys and having to do twenty hours on the Super Bowl? Like they 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 de uh they downloaded the Super Bowl for five straight days. I was like, holy shit, you know, Godspeed to these guys talking about the same It was thing. actually a perfect week for Angelo to retire because it just broke uh, up the monotony. Uh, yeah, yeah, no, I know. But it's like, you know, when I saw that from B Doc, I was like, I wasn't really I didn't really have much of a reaction because I was just like, well, shit. I mean, yeah, I mean, most people wouldn't like to play for that kind of defensive coordinator. Those guys would not like to play defense in the modern day NFL. You know, That's what like, I was thinking too. Yeah, like Brian Dawkins couldn't do half the stuff he he did back in the day. Like he you can't knock dudes over the middle. That algae mm-hmm. crumpler hit might have been leading with the leading with the crown of the helmet. <laughs> yeah. I, I think if he's if, if if Brian Dawkins suplexed uh, a Washington commie, I literally think there would be a discussion on first take how many games Brian Dawkins should be suspended. How many he should have, yeah. And, you know, I mean, because B-Doc was always known more for his hitting and his blitzing and just, like, the, the violent way that he played the game versus anything that he did in coverage, you know? <laughs> so so it, it's, you know, when you look at the way that the league is this year, it's just a bunch of passing quarterbacks and zone defense. It's That's why I can never get offended by any of this kind of stuff. That's why I don't get too worked up about any of it because, like, Gannon's the same. Most of these guys are playing this kind of defense. Doc would hate playing for every single defensive coordinator in the NFL, except for Wink Martindale this year, because he was like the only one who really did a decent amount of blitzing. I mean, there are other teams that blitzed. Uh, you know, obviously there's teams that blitz more than the Eagles, but it's just not a blitzing league anymore. You know, so that's why I think when when I hear guys like him and Seth complain, and even like Gunner to a point, like, I, I, yeah, I mean, I get what you're saying, man. But like the NFL just is is not that anymore you know so i just <laughs> if the eagles go and bring in somebody who wants to be a little bit more aggressive who wants a blitz who wants to get after the quarterback <clears throat> when they get cooked for 40 on a screen or when they go from number one against the big play to like number 17 against the big play then i will come back on the show a year from now and say you know is it worth it like as a legit question like not me trying to say like i told you so about gannon or anything like that but you know w- are you willing to make up the sacrifices on the back end if you if you see a defense that looks more like what you want it to look like, you know? I mean, remember, like, this goes for head coaches too, Kyle. It's like, after Chip Kelly, everybody was all gung-ho about Gus Bradley because yeah. they were just like, oh, we want a defensive-minded coach, you know? So, uh, uh, I don't know what your original question was, but I think that adequately filled time there. It was, it was just it was just. I think you're asking me about the interviews, but I was, like, off the grid. Oh, for the interviews. Well, I'm a big – yeah, I mean, you got to think about it, though. Like, the interview, man, the, the handshake is very important. Like, I have clammy hands. <laughs> I was never a great interviewer. So Zoom interviews were always yeah. good for me. Vance yeah. Joseph comes in with a clammy hand. Yeah. How can you how, – how can you, like, trust the guy when he's got to go against a two-minute drill with Patrick Mahomes? He's going to have clammy hands calling in another blitz? Well, there's I have two thoughts here. Vance Joseph has been in the league for how long now? Since like 2005, he's 2016, been around. 2017, he was the Broncos head coach. Yeah, and then I think he was the Dolphins defensive coordinator before that. And then last year he was on Arizona, who had one of the worst defenses in the league. Yeah. Well, I look back at his stats when his team rankings for his defense. He's had like one top ten defense, and he's supposed to be the defensive coordinator. 
Well, and here's the thing. I hate to say this too, but I don't know. Like, I guess they got to do the Rooney rule stuff too, right? I, you know, hopefully they wouldn't do that over Zoom and just check off a box. But, you know, the other part of it would be like, I can think about that. That would be pretty bad optics. It would be pretty bad optics. I don't think the Eagles would do that. I mean, the Eagles have been pretty good with like that kind of stuff. I mean, they've always had a pretty like diverse staff and they've had a lot of, you know, black position coaches, not a lot of black coordinators though. Um, you know, and not yeah. having a black head coach in a while, but but I don't, I, I I I can only guess. I don't. The Rooney Rule shit is like complicated. You start to like guess at what teams are doing and whatnot. But the other thing I was going to say is like Vance Joseph has been around for forever. Like, what do the Eagles really need to know about Vance Joseph that they don't already know? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, I guess just the formality of being able to communicate in person better than on a friggin' call. You know, I don't know. Yeah. Or maybe it just maybe the, maybe the optics of their cheapskates or something, and I, I don't I don't know. He want to fly Vance Joseph out. <laughs> He's interviewing with the Broncos too. He's going back. I, I when is the last time a head coach gets fired and then like five years later goes back and interviews for the defensive quarter job? I yeah. I feel like that would be like I'd be like Rex Ryan going back to like the Jets and like trying to get their defensive coordinator job. <laughs> That'd be wild. I know, I know. Or or me going back to Channel Three and being like, "Hey, you want, you want me to do some writing for you guys?" You know. Yeah, me going back to Comcast after I just I just made all that money off of you for free for doing yeah. no fucking work. After admitting on this program to quiet quitting in the cafeteria on like the thirty seventh floor or whatever that was, you know. So. Uh, and then the other guy, Jim Le- Leon, Jim Leonard. I want to call him Leon Hard. I don't know. I like. I, I feel Leon like Leon just- Hard. If they hire him, man, the people are gonna have trouble. Gonna have trouble with that one. Jim Leon already needs to blitz more. Yeah. So Jim he <laughs> Kev, I read one tweet. People said he's 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 great uh in the secondary. He's a uh, great, you know, calling blitzes and whatnot. Obviously, we have to go to like Wisconsin. He was a defensive coordinator at Wisconsin, was the interim head coach for a little bit until Luke Fickle took over. Luke yeah. Fickle said, I don't need you. So he's kind of like waiting in the wings for his next thing. But supposedly he he's he's got a great balanced defensive uh a structure defensive play call mm-hmm. where he, he he makes adjustments oh. he, uh, he he moves guys around disguises blitzes all all keywords that everybody in philadelphia loves to hear well also, he's also never played he's also never played in or he's never coached in the nfl so yeah uh, you know and i mean he's coaching in the uh the he's coaching in the big 10 uh big Ten. west which is not exactly uh you know known to be a offensive juggernaut of a division is it the west now or do they still call it the stupid ass leaders and i, I, I couldn't tell you Jeff. i really couldn't tell you I, I don't i don't watch a lot of big 10 football i strictly stick to uh the <laughs> Ohio State michigan game uh, a lot of big 12 football a lot of sec football because it, it just means more uh, but jim leonhard <laughs> jim leonard whatever the fuck you want to call him 10 years in the nfl as a safety yeah um people were loving this people were loving the fact that he's uh that he was being interviewed, and 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 this is the thing about the Eagles. I think they 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 said it in the going away press conference after the Super Bowl was like it took them like ten guys just to find um, Jamal Singleton, the running backs coach. So they're uh, like, yeah. we'll yeah. interview like ten different people. We don't care. Like this is what we kind of do. So I I do like it. I do like them. You know, going through you know a bunch of different you know candidates and whatnot. And maybe they just interview people to be like, hey, what you know, what were the what were the Cardinals running? What what is Wisconsin running like? Think about all the people they interviewed for for head coaching and stuff. I, I feel like the Eagles and Howie and all their analytics staff are very good at like picking out like what you know teams are doing and kind of getting a uh, a getting little tidbits for for what the future is. And also Jim Leonard, Jim Leonard is my uh, he's my number one pick 
just because he's yeah. a 5'8 guy that can dunk. Oh, okay. Well, listen, here's a trivia question for you. Do you know who won the Big Ten West last year? Northwestern. Uh, no, uh, Purdue won it. Oh, Purdue did win. Yeah, because they got their asses Very kicked good. In, uh, yeah. in the uh, – oh, yeah, man. that's – that's a Not- five, five. Maybe, and I tweeted this. Maybe Philly sports. Yeah. We're just destined to be led by white guys who can dunk. Yeah. Now, are you offended when uh, that guy says about Mac McClung they need to drug test that white boy? Is that absolutely offensive? not? No. Okay. Absolutely not. Because you know why? <laughs> that white boy is doing something we don't see a lot of of six two white yeah. guys doing. Now, that's more impressive by Jim Leonard. That's a five eight guy. Why Here's the t- thing. But well, here's hold the thing. Hold, hold on. No, more, you, no, you hold that thought. No, you, no, you hold that thought. <laughs> is it is it more impressive five eight white guy that can yeah. dunk or five eight white guy safety playing ten years in the NFL? Um, well, there's been white safeties before. I think I did a story when the Eagles signed Reed Blankenship. I did a story about white safeties that offended a lot of people for some it reason. Really, yeah, and because uh, they didn't really get it, that they thought I, they were like. Why, what does it matter what his race is? I'm like, it's just a joke post about white defensive backs. You know, Sean Considine, you know. Um, Who can forget? But, uh, yeah, and uh, who else was there? There was uh, Eric was Enos Williams white? Did we ever confirm that? Or was Enos Williams half black, half white? Because I always thought he was the one that was like, the last white cornerback or safety. I know Jason Seahorn was in there. Oh, yeah, Jason Seahorn, he was an asshole too. Here's the here's the offensive powerhouses that Jim Leonhard or Leonard uh, had to <clears throat> defend last year. Purdue, Illinois, uh, known offensive juggernaut Iowa, mm-hmm. uh, Minnesota, Wisconsin. Well, he put he was with Wisconsin, Nebraska, uh, and mm-hmm. Northwestern. Yeah, and then in the East, uh, you know, I, I I don't have their schedule off the top of my head, but you had. You know, offensive teams that were reinventing offensive football, like Rutgers, Indiana, Maryland. And then, of course, you have like the four blue bloods in Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State, Michigan State. But I I don't I don't know. I don't really. I I don't the defensive coordinator thing annoys me because their their talent's not going to be as good next year. So it doesn't matter what the defensive coordinator does. People will say. Well, you know, he doesn't have the talent that Gannon has. There's a baked-in excuse for if he's not as good. And then if he is better, you know, they're going to say Gannon sucked when he, when he didn't suck, you know? I mean, they had one, like, bad game against Pat Mahomes and Andy Reid. So I don't I don't know how many times I can repeat that, but it's just I, – I was texting with somebody who's who's a coach for – who's a, on the coaching staff for one of the local teams. Yeah. And he said uh, – I'll do a Sal pal here. You know, I was texting with so-and-so, you know, Um and he said, sometimes a great team just beats another great team. You know, and I, I like, yeah, I, you know, if you if the Chiefs and the Eagles played 10 times on a neutral field, not a piece of shit field that was corrupted by the sod father who should be in jail. I mean, I, I seriously think the Eagles win five and the Chiefs win five. If they played if they played 10 games in, in uh, what's halfway in between Kansas City and uh, Philadelphia, like Cincinnati, if they played. Ten games in Cincinnati's field. I think the Chiefs would win five, and I think the Eagles would win five. Hmm. So I, so I just, I don't. We make, should we make the Super Bowl ten game series? I should, yeah. Best of well, no, I have to be best of eleven. Then right? yeah, it hurts drinking through a straw after a ten game series. <laughs> 
Yeah, and then they and then the Niners would come in and be like, "See, I told you we should be able to have four quarterbacks." You know, you probably have to make the Niners play the last three, and then the uh, the Bengals play the last three, and that, and whoever wins those decides the Super Bowl. Yeah, T says they should do it in Atlanta, I guess, but Atlanta gets all the big SEC neutral site games. I'm sick of Atlanta as a fucking neutral site, man. Can we get some better neutral sites in here? Um, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> do I just have against Atlanta. What do you get to Atlanta? Because every big college football game. Okay, here's Craig coming to rescue us. What's like halfway between? Wait, Kansas City is that north? Yeah, 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 yeah. Cincy, I was right. Like Cincy's right, damn in the man. I'm good at geography. What I'm about great. Canton? We'll just play it in Canton. We'll bring out the leather helmets. <laughs> Go to student body right, student body left, and we'll just have a fucking good time. The Hall of Fame game. They could play it in play in Indy. They could play well, it Hall of Fame game. They they they've they've messed up their own fields before. Remember that when they canceled that preseason game because the field the uh, oh. the paint didn't lay good yeah. enough. It was yeah. too hard. It was like getting yeah. tackled on concrete. It was like, well, they used to play at the vet. What's the difference? Kansas City's pretty far north, man. It's because cold as shit up there. You know, Kansas City is north. Kansas City like basically lines up with Pen- with uh, Philadelphia. That's wild. Yeah, it's I cold. Kansas ball, City was like, yeah. I thought Kansas City was below Tennessee or Missouri, I guess. Yeah. Well, you know, as Miss, as Miss Teen South Carolina once said, not all Americans have maps. True. Um, they could do, yeah, they could do it in Indy. They could do it in Columbus. They could play it at the Horseshoe, Ohio State. Play uh, Lucas Oil? They could play at Lucas Oil. What's that town that's partially obscured there? Oh, Evansville. Yeah, they could play it at the University of uh, Southern Illinois. Uh, the Go Salukis, Salukis, baby. The Salukis down there. Salukis. Yeah, I don't know. I just, I, I mean, I don't, I, I, not to rehash all the Super Bowl shit again, but I just can't. I, I listen to these people who are calling in and they're like, oh, I'm still upset and all this stuff. Like, I, yeah, I was bummed, man. I wanted them to win, but I'm not like, you know, they didn't lose to like, who was the, who were the two shitty quarterbacks in that one Super Bowl? It was like Trent Dilfer versus Brad Johnson or something like that. Kerry Collins. Kerry Collins, yeah. They didn't lose to Kerry Collins in the Super Bowl. They lost to Mahomes. So, I mean, I'm just as annoyed with, you know, some of the, some of some with the way it rolled out as everybody else, but I, I don't, I don't know. I'm not going online and calling for B doc to be the defensive coordinator, you know? Well, yeah. I, and not a lot of hall of famers have made the best uh, coaches in general. Um, I think well, Dicka. Yeah. A lot of the old school coaches are, uh, that were hall of famers were, were actually good coaches, but now like the last good hall of fame coach or the last hall of fame coach I can remember on my head was Dicka and he, he traded the whole farm for for Ricky Williams, and we went yeah. down and had the dirty thirty boo. Yeah, <laughs> but anyway, did you uh, like my Angelo column? Did you even read it? I I did read your Angelo column. Um, I think I'm on the 18th paragraph of of Aunt San Filippo's rebuttal. Um, <laughs> yeah, that motherfucker, man, because he's like, I'm gonna write a uh, I'm gonna write a rebuttal. Do you mind if I write a rebuttal? I'm like, no, no problem. So I took like a half day on. Friday because we had worked all weekend and I'm like I need a friggin like day off here like a break or something and I'm like just let me know when it's done and I'll mm-hmm. sit down and edit it or whatever so I was like on my way back from playing pickup at YSC I just pulled up at this um, restaurant uh, on on the road and I'm like I right, pull up the laptop here and see what uh, see what uh, Anthony has for me and it was like 3300 words I'm like this asshole you know, not only do I have to like his his intro is as long as my entire column. Right <laughs> but uh, his, his, he's he's trying to he's trying to throw his hat in the ring for uh, the, the Angelo Cataldi biography. He wants to be the ghostwriter for the Angelo. <laughs> the funny thing is about and is and I didn't get to talk to him about this, but like yeah. his his opening statement about the story of him down in Clearwater um, 
trying to fu- trying to get to the stadium with Angelo Cataldi and their hungover uh, intern or whoever it was in the back actually made Angelo Cataldi sound more like an asshole than your whole column made Angelo Cataldi <laughs> sound like an asshole. If anyone didn't read uh, Anthony Sanfilippo's column, and I don't blame you because it was longer than the fucking Godfather. Um, Moby Dick. Yeah, Moby Dick, the, the Oedipus, or what is it, the Odyssey? The Odyssey, yeah. Um, yeah. He basically tells a story of this hungover intern in the back, and they're, like, using maps and stuff. And Angelo, of course, wants to get to the Yankees versus Blue Jays game because he's yeah. a Yankees fan. And uh, he basically cursed out the intern who was hungover, couldn't do the map. Ant gets the map. He's cursing out Ant getting the map. Like, it just was, It just was like, wow, this guy's kind of an <laughs> asshole. And I think Ant was trying to tell it in, like, this, like, glorifying light of, like, how a human being should treat other people. And I was, and then he got, he got angry at um, the Yankees for pulling their starters in like the first or second inning. Cause he was late to the game and missed it. So he left cause he's the yeah. customer. He deserves, he deserves Derek Jeter and, and, uh, and Tino Martinez to potentially get hurt uh, in spring training and ruin the, uh, ruin the Yankees uh, yeah. world yeah. series chances. Yeah. A lot of cartography in this episode of uh, Crossing Broadcast, but I, Anthony, I think Anthony did make a that was a goofy ass point. I didn't really get that. I was like, okay, he's a Yankee <laughs> fan and he's an asshole. <laughs> but uh, I'll give Aunt San Francisco some credit for pointing out that like you and I are probably not the target demo anyway. Yeah. You know, like so, and I said that as much. Like, I mean, because people were giving me shit. They're like, well you know clickbait headline or whatever the fuck which is a whole nother thing that annoys me i'm like what is the difference between clickbait and just something that's like well written i don't know but um i spent the first three paragraphs giving the guy credit so i mean dude has his dick sucked all friday all thursday all wednesday like is it okay to read another piece that maybe wasn't the most glorifying thing yeah i think it's okay i mean i don't think like i don't think we like uh, i'm trying to think i don't know i mean the guy did what he did for 33 years now i i didn't listen to him I didn't really follow him and stuff, yeah. but I know he, you know, dealing with it, you know, I've read Facebook comments. I've read Twitter comments. People are dumb. People are dumb and, 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 and people are dumb in, in Philadelphia and sports fans in Philadelphia are dumb. There are some smart ones. I'll, I'll, I'll say that, but people are dumb. And, and he had a hand in being maybe uh, helping people become dumb and hot take artists and, you know, people that made their money um, kind of, elevating off of off of his shtick so i mean go get yours go get your go get your money but uh yeah i I mean i'm not gonna like that's the one thing that we're always been consistent with 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 him you know for for years you know was giving credit where credit's due i mean for anybody who can build a brand like that and keep it going for 33 years no matter what they're doing i mean you have to begrudgingly give them you know props for that you know because it's impossible to do that's why i said in the story man i mean you look back at terrestrial radio like 20 years from now the only people who are going to come close to that or eclipse it are, are preston and steve yeah you know so i'm not i'm not above like giving credit where credit's due it's just funny man because i got a lot of emails i got a lot of feedback around about that and um half the people were like you're a jealous dickhead you know what did he do to you did he did he bang your wife and then the other half of the emails were like hey good story but i don't think you went hard enough <laughs> and then there were also some people who knows the guy personally who never wanted to publicly say anything and there were some agreements so, yeah um so I, I don't know you know it's like you can never you can't really win but at the same time when you have 50 percent of people who are like killing you and the other 50 percent of people think something else i mean i guess maybe that's means it was close to the mill i just people because people the thing that people were saying was like well you could have done this. You didn't have to do this on the day he retired. Well, I mean, if yeah. I dropped it today, people would have got just as mad. So I don't. Yeah. I don't. There were, I think there's a good there idea were, to crush somebody. You know, there were a hundred other profiles that they could have went and read. 
Oh, I know, I know, yeah, I know. There are a hundred other ones. Everyone else. It did, it did remind me of the Bruce Springsteen thing a little bit, though, because like we have good SEO and so it ranks pretty high on Google. So you get like four stories, like legendary Angelo Cataldi, Angelo Cataldi, the legend, retire Angelo, Cataldi. and then at the bottom, and then at the very the fourth or fifth down, it's like Angelo Cataldi was a kept everybody angry and dumb, you know. So it was like the Springs. I got like feedback, like the Springsteen thing. You know, it was the same thing. It was like, you know. Yeah, half the, half the people thinking I didn't go hard enough, you know. I know a couple guys want um, us to talk about 97.5 and, and MLS, and we'll get to it after we have our interview with uh, Rich Hoffman, I promise. Yeah. Promise? Piggy swear? All right. Digital yeah, piggy swear. Yeah. Um, one more thing before Rich Hoffman comes on. Uh, we got a couple minutes, but A.J. Brown. A.J. Brown threatens, threatens, threatens Howie Roseman that he'll walk if, uh, if they don't pay Jalen Hurts. Can you believe it? What was he doing? Why, why was he wearing a KC Royals hat, though? Um, because it goes with the fit, baby. Okay, so it doesn't matter. Like, you got to yeah. explain this fashion so, shit to me. The hat is just about matching your outfit. It's not about team loyalty. I've mentioned this on the pod, on the pod before. I grew up a Yankees fan, okay? I rooted for the Phillies in 08, but when the Yankees played the Phillies in 09, I rooted for the Yankees. It was the worst thing I've ever done, okay? It, it, I just love Jeter. I love Posada. I love Mariana. I love the core four growing up. It's the worst thing I've ever done. I, I, but I've, 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 I saw the error of my ways, and I've I've gone full, full uh, Phillies bore. I know people are booing in the chat right now. Anyway, um, <laughs> I one time we went down to the Smithsonian for, a, uh, for an elementary school field trip or a high school field trip. I saw a guy in a Yankees cap, and I go, Yankees fan? Awesome. I'm a Yankees fan, too. And the guy goes, no, it's just for my outfit. That's when I first learned that people yeah. wear other people's stuff, especially hats, more specifically, because it just matches with their with their, uh, with their their fit. Yeah. I mean, so yeah, I've always, always remembered that whenever I see, like, athletes like Jalen Hurts have that Houston Astros hat. Obviously, Eskin goes nuts about it and stuff. Doesn't really – a complete nothing burger. Um, but it's just funny, you know. Yeah. He was he was matching his hat, you know, a little blue, a little white in the uh, yeah. in the outfit, you know, Kansas City. You know, it's just uh, ironic that that's what it was. But uh, yeah. yeah, well, that's I don't know him just being like, hey, Howie, get the deal done. Well, I mean, A.J. Brown had like his best year ever, you know, with Jalen Hurts. I don't blame him, you know, yeah. but I mean, they got it on my carpet and I would be like, thank you, sir. Can you go out and have like fourteen hundred more yards? <laughs> they just got so much shit to figure out, man. I mean, I was, we did that little, I'm not even ready to dive into that. You know, what's weird. It's like the Super Bowl is like seven days removed and people already got their big long, you know, who should they sign and who should they get rid of? And who should like, I'm not going to like linger and hang on to the Super Bowl, but I'm not ready to do all the free agent shit on the site yet. You know, I like was you, got whole, that. you got the whole off season do that. We did the CJ Gardner Johnson thing about how they were yeah. talking about, I think it was Kaplan who said that they were going to tag him. They can't get a deal done, but I was just looking down the free agent list and I was like, Jesus, him, you know, Bradbury, Hargrave, Marcus Epps, too, at the same time. Like, man, like how he's got his yeah. work cut out for him, man. But, uh, and then Hurts, man. Howie Which is good it. for us, though, Kev. Which is good for us, though, because if you don't, yeah. if Howie doesn't hit on the free agency, me and you are here a year, now, year from later, be like, do you miss Jonathan Gannon yet? Do you miss Jonathan Gannon yet? Yeah, Completely yeah, yeah, yeah. not bringing up the fact that the defense was one of the best defenses ever. Um, put together in, in Eagles franchise history, but yeah. don't let the facts get in the way of a good take. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I mean, I don't know. I, I just like, I don't want to be the dude who's like, you know, if Gan succeeds in Arizona, be like, Oh, I told you so. Cause I hate when people do that to me, you know, but I just, you know, I want people to try to think of it differently. You know, I just think it comes down to this like very Philadelphia thing where you have to find singular blame for something. 
you know, yeah. whereas like, you know, I think there's a lot of things that went wrong in that Super Bowl, but everybody can only like seem to hone it, like focus it on one specific thing. And so that guy's got to be the the scapegoat for not even the scapegoat, but like the, the main blame for it. You know, I don't think he had a good game, but I think the individual defensive players didn't have a good game. You know, I think the special teams fucked it up there at the end. So I don't know. I, we just seem to have like more of we just seem to have a problem with the more than one thing can be true thing i don't know if that's just a philly thing or if that goes to like new york and other places too but i don't know let's ask our guests coming on okay can we bring rich on there he is what's up guys is uh is is blaming something something we just need to blame is that a philly thing or is that everywhere i don't know have you have you just covered philadelphia have you covered other areas maybe even other counties that like you know high school and lancaster games they just have to blame somebody blame the guy i no, I am Philadelphia my whole life, guys. Uh, yeah, and I don't know. It's with the Eagles I have become less rational, I would say. Uh, yeah. John, I, I guess my point on Jonathan Gannon is I just don't want to hear from him for a while. Okay. It's like, just like, you know, I, I get that he got hired by another team and he's got, you know, he's got to do his, his weird, uh, you know, handshakes with Kyler Murray and all those things. Yeah, whatever that was. Just, I don't want to see that, is my point. Uh, so. My favorite thing about that video was that I swear, I, you know, he was giving guys handshakes. I, I think there was one guy who he just had no idea who he was. No. <laughs> you can no. tell he's like, hey, man, what's up? Uh, I mean, there's a lot of guys on an NFL team. I, I do kind of understand that. But yeah, for their uh, their social media department to be like, this is this guy's unbelievable. What a personable Jed, he doesn't even know who the guy is. I mean, what are we doing? Would you, were you, if you were like an Eagles beat rich, would you have been like annoyed that Gannon didn't speak after the Super Bowl or, and, and that's it? Like you're never going to get him? Um, yeah. I mean, I guess, right. I, I've covered the Eagles a little bit. I, I think he speaks every week, right? Is that, that what his general thing is? Yeah. I think he probably should have to speak after the Super Bowl, uh, especially when, that happened so yeah i would be a little annoyed but i also do understand like the nfl it it moves fast you know like these guys are i I guess i would like to know from him like how much was that weighing on his mind you know the fact that he was about to become a head coach for another team like i i reasonably like understand that like he doesn't actually like like he wasn't throwing the game on purpose he wasn't like oh i'm I'm worried about cardinals minicamp more than the super bowl like i I think he clearly probably wanted to win a ring but i i guess from just like a a personal standpoint like how how much does that weigh on your mind knowing that you have such a good chance at that job um and it's going to change literally the second the final you know final buzzer rings whatever there was that report that he didn't know he was interviewing with the Cardinals until Howie Roseman told him after the game he was interviewing. And I just don't believe that because the, the news broke 12 hours earlier. And I'm just thinking, like, I got a girlfriend. If, like, if, if she hears something, it's like, you know, hey, are we moving to Arizona? Like, how, how are we doing? Like, you know, she, like, I know uh, Jonathan Gannon's wife, like, works at Vogue. She probably has to tell her boss, like, I might be working remote out of Arizona sometime. So, like, I just don't well, – do you think he, like, really didn't know? He was that bunkered down the day of the Super Bowl. That like he did not know that he was getting an interview with the Cardinals. I would be surprised, and to go to Kev's question, like I would like to hear him answer that question, even if yeah. he probably would have something prepared and BS or whatever. Yeah. I, I would like to, yeah. I would like to hear what he thought about that. There's, I, I think there's no way that he didn't at least know about it. 
but it's just funny because it reminds me of the Carson Wentz thing where nobody got to hear anything from him and then weren't like three or four Philly reporters out there or they were like on a Zoom call. I want to say like Les Bowen flew to like Indy or something like that. I guess they know this is the same thing. They never got to like close it down with him, you know, so I don't know. It's just so, so strange how it goes from like your, co- your coach in one team and then like, bam, you're forget about it, and you're on to the next thing it's like when brian kelly popped up at lsu with a southern so accent weird. yeah you know yeah family, family. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i know i was like i was so so weird but anyway uh, i told rich we were going to talk about the sixers um, yeah sorry four, rich. Four straight i don't, I don't mind talking about Gannon. that's fine yeah <laughs> i'm sure yeah i'm sure like your buddies probably ask you all the time like what's going on with the sixers what's going on with the sixers that you're probably just like you know, some Eagles talk sprinkled in is, is yeah, nice. that's not yeah i'm one of them when it when it comes to that yeah so it's not well, I read your uh, anyone uh, Rich Hoffman on the Athletic uh, from the Athletic. Um, you did a wonderful profile, Mac McClung, um, talking about everything he's been through. Uh, should you know he could have gone to Europe and 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 made a lot more money over there, but he slummed it through the G League. He's been on a bunch of different teams. Made a hundred thousand dollars, one hundred six thousand dollars in his career, and made a hundred thousand dollars winning the NBA dunk contest, which is absolutely absurd. Um, it's so awesome. I mean, what were your, what were your thoughts? Like, I don't know how much you knew about Mac McClung, but like, did you kind of like thought, I mean, he was the gambling favorite, but did you kind of think that he was gonna, he was gonna tee it up and win on, uh, on Saturday night? I, I had no idea if he was going to win. I mean, we, we did run the piece this week just because mm-hmm. I had been working on it for a while because I thought he was a pretty interesting guy. Like if you look back to the, the kind of the high school YouTube, uh, mixtape, yeah. Circuit, I would say there's probably, and this is going back four or five years at this point now, but once that started to blow up to the point where I think every high school game seems like it's taped now, uh, even if it's bad. Uh, But when it first started to blow up and YouTube, I guess the access started to get easier. um, There were kind of two kings of the high school YouTube mixtape and it was Zion and it was Mac, which is funny because Zion went on to be, you know, number one pick, uh, you know, obviously had a little bit easier of a time settling in the NBA where Mac, you know, six foot two white kid from uh, Southwestern Virginia, obviously has a little bit of a story there. Um, and he just threw down these insane dunks. So I thought that was interesting first off um, for that, for that start, but also like he, he had been playing well in the G league for a while. And I thought kind of the, the contrast between, Oh, this guy was famous just because he could dunk in high school and the fact that like he's he's doing well, like I don't, I don't know how long he's going to stick in the NBA. His, his size is unfortunately it's an issue. Like this, every six two guard in the NBA wishes they were six four, six five, and I think he'd be an automatic NBA player if he had a couple more inches. But it is what it is. Um, it's good to see he got his foot in the door though. Uh, but just to see this guy just grinding hard in Wilmington, Delaware, and I don't think really too many people know. You know, like I, I don't think too many people are paying attention. Uh, so I, I kind of found the I don't know that him being humble, that's the way he put it. I, I didn't want to put it out there for him, but yeah. him saying that just the last two years were hard for him. And, you know, as I had in the story, he played for a million teams. You know, he played for the Bulls. He played for the Bulls G League team, Lakers G League team, Warriors in the preseason, Summer League team. He played for USA Basketball because they have these non-NBA guys qualify for the FIBA World Cup. But he, he played for them at one point. So he really has just been kind of a basketball nomad. And Kyle, like you said, the other big thing for him, and this is legit, I think not many kind of people who aren't in basketball don't understand this. If you are on the fringes of the NBA, like Mac McClung, 
and this is something that a lot of those players have to deal with. You can either play in Europe, which again, that, you know, you're away from your family or you have to move your family over there. Um, it's a very structured system. Sometimes the the pay can be a little weird, but you get like a million dollars to play over there. And, and he got offers to play, I think, in China and for Fenerbahce in, in Istanbul. And I, I think the the other part of that, too, is it's like the best league outside of the NBA. It, it's like the highest level of competition. You look at those leagues, it's, it's all college stars that you remember. Or you could stay in the G League. You could make, I think, like $80,000 a year. It, it's definitely five figures. Uh, and you can have the path to the NBA. Because that's where, unfortunately, when you go to Europe, you have to wait until the season's over to get called up. And as you guys know, like, you know, in the NBA, there's injuries all the time. You know, sometimes there are trades, there are roster spots that get opened up. The best chance to make the NBA, which is Max goal, is to play in the G League. So he's kind of grinded it out there for a few years. We'll see if he ends up having to go to Europe. But by staying over here, he got to do the dunk contest, which... I think ultimately I thought he was going to be pretty good. I was not expecting like a legendary, legendary performance. Yeah. And and he really did it. So it was, he, it was awesome to see. And he did it with like no props besides like putting a Jersey on. Like, no. I mean, if you want to call like bringing people out, dunking over them props, that's fine. But like, he didn't do it. Like, you know, we've seen Dwight Howard with the Superman Cape. We've seen, you know, Nate Robinson with the, the all green stuff and the shoes and the ball and everything. Like he just did a five forty, jumped over a couple people. He would have had all fifties if Lisa Leslie didn't give him that 48 or 49 <laughs> or 47. I forget what it was. Um, it, it was, it was absolutely amazing. When you're doing the profile, did you get a sense? Like he thought he was going to win. Was that, was there a confidence brewing or no? No, I mean, I, I think I, I just asked him because I, I was going to write because of the dunk contest, but I wanted to talk about his story. But I, I did ask him about it, and he was just like, yeah, I'm just having fun. I'm just goofing around with my friends. They they drive up from, from Virginia, and we uh, we work on some dunks here in Wilmington, and yeah, it seems like it's going good. I, I'm excited to do it or whatever. So, no, like he's – I don't know. He's like a pretty humble guy, and I think the, the fact that he's been through his NBA journey – added to like I, I don't think he was trying to hype himself too much mm-hmm. up for the dunk contest which is funny because the dunk contest is just a complete hype fest you know yeah. so uh I, I didn't think he was gonna like I, I don't think he was hyping himself up to that level now the height the YouTube mixtapes are what they are we knew what type of nuclear athlete he was uh it was crazy and not only did he he do well he made all four of his dunks too these guys miss their dunks all the time he pulls off these four insane dunks and he made all of them without missing one time it's like the, the opposite of nate robinson against iguodala so yeah. um it's it's funny because the sixers went into the all-star break at 38 and 19 it's like a six six seven win percentage and i went back and looked at where they were in the all-star break over the last five or six years it's like the best record that they've had going into the all-star break i think the covid year when they were uh uh when they were the number one seed i think they're like 24 and 12 so it was like two they one had one two-thirds of their games or whatever which is funny like they're playing really well and they've won a ton of games recently and i don't i don't know if it's a pagan and i have used this term like throughout the the fall and the winter where we're kind of keeping the team at arm's length just because we had the philly shit we had the eagles stuff to do and I think people were just kind of wary of like Doc and the second round exits and stuff like that. So I'm I'm wondering like you being down there, do you feel like is there like a juice for the team right now? Do you think that might come back a little bit now that we're coming out of the All Star break? I think it might come back, but but it wasn't there for a while, guys. And and I think it was just because of what you mentioned. They had their own history where you know they haven't give people a ton of reason to believe. You know they they've hurt people in the second round a lot. First off. 
But then you have the Phillies and the Eagles going on these crazy runs as well. And for me, I actually don't think that was a bad thing. Like, I, I think the Sixers throughout the, the process and Joel Embiid's career, they, they've gotten a lot of like national hype and, and pu- you know, you know, people pumping them up. I, I think for once them, like just playing well, Kevin, you said like they're, this is like their best team ever. Like I, it's now I, I do think their schedule is going to get harder. Right. So yeah. we'll see down the stretch, but yeah, like they, they're really good. So, and, and it's clear that they, you know, they have a deeper and better team than they've had in past years. Uh, I think it's a good thing. They went under the radar and, and nobody really cares. Like, you know, I think they've had also minimal in season drama. The only thing I can think of, is uh, the James Harden leak on Christmas Day about, you know, him maybe wanting to go to Houston. That's, you know, as far as the Sixers can, are concerned, if that's like the, the most dramatic thing that happened, it's not too bad. Like, yeah. that's not, you know, like we've seen some crazy shit that's happened here, man. Like, yeah. It's yeah. yeah. So, yeah, it's been a it's been a weird kind of season. Now, they have a lot of really hard games like they're, they're playing two national games this week against Memphis and and Boston. I, I do think the juice will start to come back. Uh, a good bit here so they better be ready for that but I, I think overall like yeah they have kind of been at arm's length and they have flown under the radar for most of the year but i think that's a good thing yeah to play like you play in relative obscurity and not have you know as many eyeballs on them i guess as much scrutiny it's just funny to think because yeah i mean the stuff i mean i came down to the games for I guess three or four seasons or whatever. I mean, even the first year I came down, I mean, it was like the beginning of the Markel Fultz shit. And then we had Ben last year and all this stuff. I mean, this has been like a relatively clean and linear Sixers season, you know? So I, I guess it just comes down to like the, do, do people think that they can beat the bucks in the second round or, you know, just are they good enough, right? If you put all the drama and stuff off to the side, I mean, they're the number three seed right now. They could probably, you know, jump Milwaukee if they play well enough here. But I, I, I don't know. I mean, what, what do you think of that? I mean, just from a pure talent perspective, if they get Milwaukee in the second round or even Boston in the second round, I mean, do you see things being different? I think it's going to be hard. Like, I think Boston and Milwaukee are the two best teams in the league. And and if you get past them – then I think you're probably, you know, we'll see what happens with uh, with Phoenix in the West because of Kevin Durant now. Yeah. Um, but if you get past them, I think you should win the championship. So I, I guess the way I would put it is because of their past and because of how many times they have screwed up in the past and because those teams are playing a little bit better, just a little bit. You know, I don't really think the regular season means all that much, but they, they are playing a little bit better than them this season. I would not pick them against either of those teams in a playoff series, but – I would not be floored if they could beat them. Like, like what are the odds we're talking about? Like 60, 40, 65, 35. Like I think it's more people say like puncher's chance. I think it's more than a puncher's chance. I would not be stunned if they couldn't beat those teams. Cause there's just like weird crap that happens in playoff series. Sometimes like sometimes like one team just is on fire from three for four games. And that, that, seals it maybe joel goes nuts it would be nice to see joel actually not like have like the freak injury where you know he gets all these injuries where it's like his face runs into somebody and has nothing to do with his feet or whatever you know not nothing chronic so it would be nice to just see him have the opportunity to go on a run and say like hey i'm the uh i'm the best player in the world and and i can put my uh team on my back for a series uh there could be injuries I, i would not be surprised if they could get past those teams but I'm not going to pick them going into it because they have they have not come through in the past and those teams have and those teams have been a little bit better. But like yeah, this team is awesome, Kev. Like I I think it's up there with you were there for the 19 team. 
I, I think it's up with the 2018-19 team as the best really? team that they've had since it beat. And I think in some ways, like, people remember how close they took the Raptors that year. That team was goofy, man. That team was like, their bench was bad. They had to get lucky with Mike Scott and James Ennis. They, they were like not playing well at the end of the year. Brett Brown was just guessing. They, Jimmy didn't want to shoot threes, all of those things. Like, I think sometimes we remember that team as a more put together unit as, uh, as they ultimately were like, like Joel is much better than he was back then. Now, um, Harden like understands what he's doing as opposed to Jimmy. I would say, there's no Ben, which I think is a plus. If, if we're being honest, I don't want to pile on him too much, but he's having a rough year. But I think that is a plus as well. So, yeah, th- there's no Jimmy, but I, I think there are a lot of reasons this team is, you know, at least approaching that that crew. And that team could have won. So. Yeah, we, uh, we we asked the chat a couple of uh, questions. One guy you brought up in Embiid, uh, Matt Grove, asked, what is Embiid's health status? He says he wanted to rest over the weekend, but he ended up playing the All-Star game anyway. <laughs> what do you think about that? Yeah, I mean – Joel's a very emotional quote, I would say. Like he, uh, he, he, he likes to build a narrative and a, and a storyline with his quote. That said, I do think like his left foot has been bothering him all year. Like if I, I would call myself a, a veteran Embiid watcher, and w- when people who don't watch him all the time, and I think you guys are, are probably closer to that as well. But like I, I see national people when he falls down, they're like, "Oh my god." I was like, well, he does this like six times a game. So you, you have to like understand that I think he's going to be okay most of the times here. Uh, he had a couple times this year where he fell down and he actually like really tweaked his foot. And it, you know, it kept him out for a week both times. So I do think that's been a legitimate injury. Um, he uttered that that quote about not wanting to play in the All-Star game after playing 17 out of 18 games. Uh, so like he's, he's finding a way to soldier through it, but like, I see him in the locker room and at shoot arounds all the time. Like his, his feet are in a bucket of ice, like literally at all times. So I, he's clearly like dealing with some level of pain with this. Uh, am I surprised that he played in the all-star game? No. Cause I think Adam Silver probably would have thrown a hissy fit if, uh, you know, if, if he canceled it, like, I, I believe him that he's like, I don't want to play in this. It's, it's going to stink. I, and I'm very curious to see what they do over the next month because their schedule is brutal over the next mm. month guys like they play 17 times in 31 days in march and there are a lot of of road games involved so like even if he takes like two or three games off which i think would be wise uh he's still gonna be playing a ton so you know i, I don't know if he's gonna get those two weeks of rest that he was looking for but on the other hand like when you watch him play it's like i don't know he, he seems like he's soldiering through pretty well <laughs> it's just funny because i feel like the same you know questions that you know, you and Derek and Kyle and everybody have been asking for four years. I feel like they're the same going down the stretch run here. I mean, you're talking about the backup center again, <laughs> talking about, you know, is Doc doing enough in the regular season to experiment with the rotation so that when he goes into the playoffs, he has a plan, you know, instead of rolling 10 guys in round two or whatever. So I, like very generically, I mean, where's your mind at when I bring those two topics up, you know, backing up and beat and also, you know, trying to, trying to figure out the rotation and, and the Melton and Maxi thing too. It's a, uh, no, their, their rotation is, they have some like interesting questions that they have to sort out. But I, I think one of the differences from the past few years is they are, they're deeper than they have been. Like yeah. this is a better bench. Like, like Melton is better. I think even like shake Melton being your like ninth man is pretty good. Uh, George, we'll see what happens with him in the playoffs. He's certainly a very good regular season player, though. Uh, they, they just feel like a, a deeper, more complete team. And then the other guy is this guy, McDaniels, who we'll see. You know, like I, I know everybody likes the the athletic flashes and 
Um, he hasn't played on a real basketball team his whole career, but it's, he's shown some some positive stuff early on. So I'm, I'm definitely intrigued to see what he can do a little bit more. So as far as the backup center, I think uh, we're back at square one. I, I don't know what they're going to do. You know, like I, I think Montrez Harrell, who's gotten most of the minutes this year, is like a no go. Can't play him in the playoffs. Don't do that. Very similar to DeAndre last year, but he played the entire season. He just just not a good enough defensive player, and he's not as good offensively as he used to be either, too, which is the uh, the issue. Paul Reed, who did okay last year, uh, has had an up-and-down season. I know he's a fan favorite of everybody's. I certainly would play him over Montrez Harrell, but he's been up and down. Like He's not the most fluid offensive player in the world. I would like to see him get a little more run. Uh, before the All-Star break, he was getting a little bit more. They just signed this guy, Dwayne Dedman, who is DeAndre maybe part two, who like I there, there's a reason when these guys get cut by good teams and wave like it, it's a good sign that like, oh, yeah. they don't think they have anything left. And, you know, we'll see. I, I, I am a little bit worried about Doc Rivers reverting back to the veteran tall guy type of thing. Like I understand the Sixers probably could use a bigger body for some specific matchups, maybe like Milwaukee or somebody that's like a huge team. I don't from what his stats look like and what little I've seen from him this year. I don't think he's the answer either. So it's, it's kind of like three or four years ago. The other thing that they can do, which they haven't done a lot is that they play PJ Tucker as the backup setter, which mm-hmm. ultimately I actually think might be what they do. Uh, they tried it a little bit early in the year when nobody was paying attention. Like, like when the Phillies were in the world series, they were trying it and they were playing these like 125, 125 games. It was really good offensively. They weren't getting a ton of stops. Now they do have some different players on the team. Now uh, I think that ultimately is going to be the chance. And then when you mentioned doc and experimentation, I don't, my whole thing with doc is doc is a regular season coach and the, the hardcore Sixers fans, that has not been quiet all year. Like after losses, it's it's always Doc's fault and, and all those things. <laughs> Doc is a regular season coach. He's not perfect. I think he's pretty good though. And I also think part mm. of his relaxed like environment too, like he plays the all bench unit, which can do poorly at times, but actually has been okay this year. Uh, <laughs> it's just people, like people rip their hair out when the all bench line comes in. All yeah, bench, and yeah. and the lineup that he had played on, you know, I, I felt bad telling people like. I don't think you should do that in the playoffs. I don't think that's like a long-term thing, but to get through the regular season, that, that lineup was a plus on the year. I I know they, they blew the game at MSG a couple weeks ago, but you know, you're right. They do, they do go crazy and it's been bad in the past. Um, Anyway, I I just think as a regular season coach, he just, he's coached so many games. Like he doesn't like let one loss really affect him. Like he's like, all right, it's fine. And that could be his weakness too. Like he could play Deandre Jordan and Montrose Harrell a bunch of minutes. But I I think from like a temperament standpoint, not having somebody that doesn't freak out over every regular season game, you know, maybe he'll bite a reporter's head off at some point. uh, But ultimately with the team, which is what matters more, uh, he's just, he's calm. So I think he's okay. I am worried about him in the playoffs. He has been a bad playoff coach for most most of his career, and that is ultimately what matters. And I think when we talk about Embiid and Harden, uh, I would say Doc is somebody that needs to prove himself in the playoffs as well. Like, can you just outcoach somebody for for a series? Then when you have equal talent or something like that, can you can you at least coach them equally? I thought the last year was not his fault. Like they, Joel was hurt. Harden was not very good. They weren't very deep. Two years ago was a disaster against Atlanta and. He was at least somewhat culpable. You know, Ben was probably the biggest culprit, but 
Doc was not great in that series either. So uh, that's how I kind of feel about Doc. I'm, I'm kind of in wait and see mode for the playoffs. But as far as a regular season coach, it's like you said, like they're winning two thirds of their games. Like he's fine. Yeah. I, uh, I went to ask you, you brought up the All Star game. Did you watch? I'm sure you did watch. Um, it was, I, I don't it was, watch as much. I, 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 yeah. I hate it. It's a national media event for the most it was this one was bad. I watched the whole thing, and I'm sure you saw the whole. I'm sure you saw all the clips and everything. I thought the Jalen Brown versus Jason Tatum uh, possession to possession in the third quarter was pretty cool. I thought it was. I thought that was really cool. Um, I don't think the All Star Game is really in this like, you know, we need to reconfigure the whole thing because I in 2020, if I remember correctly, the fourth quarter was amazing when they were doing the Elementary. Guys were yeah. playing really hard and everything. I just think it's kind of a there's a lot of young guys. They're, the NBA is in this weird tra- transition right now. Like James Harden's not in it anymore. LeBron's 39. Didn't even play in the second half. Giannis played one possession and then just left. Like Joel Embiid didn't seem like he wanted to play. But Mike Malone said, "I got to give Joel Embiid, Kyrie Irving credit. Those guys were like competing. Joel was imploring some of the guys to play harder to try to get some defense in. Do you think like obviously you're not a huge All Star game guy, but do you think it needs to be fixed or is kind of just like there's not many." Uh, veterans that are looked upon right now that are like that can like getting getting guys to go get guys going excuse me I think the only fix is just for them to play harder but I understand their standpoint where it's like the the only sport where the, the all-star game works to me is baseball because they don't have to hustle right like you know you like flag football in the pro bowl huh you like flag football in the pro bowl no I thought that was an improvement on what it was <laughs> right like you know it, like yeah. but, but I think the other three sports it's like you actually have to like run hard or or play physically yeah. like to actually make it a good product and they don't want to do that because you have people like you know the fact that joel was the one who was playing hard like he's the one who's probably hurt the most out of all those guys i mean Giannis was actually hurt too he didn't play uh i i don't know guys it's it's uh it's funny i don't watch it too much i i really if it's bad i think okay that's fine like whatever yeah. like it's not it's not a big deal um i i do think like like you said, the 2021 was cool. Like when Joel was on the court at the end of the game and mm-hmm. they were actually trying. Uh, mm-hmm. And I think you get that probably once every three or four years, but th- there's a reason I don't really care as much. I-, I would say I don't really care that much about all-star weekend at all. I think it's more, and I think most people are like this. They're more wrapped up on just people who just get voted in as an all-star. Right. And then they mm-hmm. don't actually care about what the weekend is. It's kind of similar to the all NBA voting at the end of the year, the MVP, all that stuff that people here will, I'm sure, get riled up about in a couple of months. Uh, yeah, what do you think about LeBron picking uh, Joel first overall? And Jokic just sitting there, second to last. He had to walk down LeBron, put his arm around him so that he picked him and didn't pick him last over Laurie Marketing. I thought that was kind of nice. I did. LeBron's the uh, NBA MVP of the players. Yeah. No, it seems like uh, it seems like he wanted Joel first. Yeah, I don't know. LeBron has always been calculated trying to pick guys yeah. that he wants on his team for that. Uh but yeah, no, and I think that's that's good. But for me, it's great. Like I can just watch that on Reddit the next day and just be like, okay, cool, on Twitter, like or whatever. That, that was a good moment. I I agree. So should I um should I drag my ass back down there and cover a couple games in person, or am I not missing anything? I mean, you know, you know what it's like, man. Like it's you know, it's the same old same old shit. You know, they, the, bow- they the bowels of the Wells Fargo Center where we're welcomed with a huge trash can. In front yeah, of still, the, uh, <laughs> still the worst well, arena in the league. Yeah, I think. Yeah, definitely. Which yeah. is funny because I I have a couple more. I, I'm going on a road trip this week. I don't go to all the games, but I think over my four or five years at the Athletic, I think I've gone to every arena. I haven't gone to Golden State, the new one. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm crossing off two more in Indiana and Cleveland. 
And then I think it's just San Antonio besides that. Uh, the Wells Fargo Center is the worst arena of the week. Like, it's just, it's just, it's just, it's just around, around. Uh, and I don't think people realize that in Philly as much, which I think is a good thing. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, we're not like snobby people or whatever. And, you know, we've only had that that building for, you know, if, if you're a certain age, our age, for, for all of our lifetimes or whatever. And I know they've made renovations on the concourses and they have some nicer restaurants and those things. But I'm specifically talking like down in the bowels, like yeah. Kev just said. Like, yeah. and that's and I'm specifically talking about where the players have to like work out and when they yeah. where they, you know, where the media stuff is, where the, uh, you know, the custodial staff where they have to do their stuff. It's just a mess. It's just it's a circus. It's a mess. Uh, and look, I think there's a reason why the Sixers want a new arena. I'm not I'm not trying to take sides on that one. I know that's a heated issue on where to put it and all of those things. Uh, you know, and I know it's also going to be like a decade from now, but it, yeah. it's a it's a bad arena. Like the, most other NBA teams, like I go to Sacramento and I'm like, oh, my God, this is so much better than where the Sixers play at. And I think that's a little bit of an issue. Yeah, T is in the chat right now, incessantly typing the same thing over and over. He thinks the worst arena is in Cleveland. But uh, I don't know about the arena. I know people don't like the town as much. Again, <laughs> I haven't I haven't been there, so I'm going to withhold judgment. I have some I have some friends from there, but yeah. Uh, I, I would be surprised considering that arena is newer, but you know. Yeah. The Wells Fargo, so this is what we say about the Wells Fargo Center. The uh, Wells Fargo Center is like a 25 year old, 28 year old building it's that old. has like 50 years of use in it, you know, because it's good. It's like they got the Flyers there, they got the Wings there, they got the Sixers there, they got Disney on ice, they have uh, Roger Waters playing his 17th show there yeah. in like the last four years, you know. So it's just, there's, there, I don't know, it's just, it's just, he's really good at references from the, the the 20th century, 21st century. Yeah. These guys think I'm old. I'm only 38, but I guess all my references are from like the 90s and from the early 2000s. So I got to get, get like more hip with, with all this stuff. But, uh, and by the way, like I don't blame the Wells Fargo Center people. Like it's just an older building. Like it's it's an older, older, it's an older multi purpose building. And as you know, it's the coldest building in the league for basketball because it's a hockey building too. And it's ridiculously cold in there. Were you part of that stupid post game exchange that we had with JJ and Jimmy Butler that one time we just asked him five straight questions about the temperature in the the arena. (laughs) That was like one of the best post game exchanges ever where I was like, I was like, do you care about the weather as much as Jimmy did? And then he goes on a rant. JJ does about how he puts on like icy hot on his arms before the game or whatever. And he can't do it in the Wells Fargo center because he's like literally the icy part he starts to freeze to death when it happens. And he says, it's the only place in the league where it's like that. Uh, that should be a story I should write at one point, but I, I, I don't know how to measure the. Yeah. Remember when Montrezl got stopped over the summer in a traffic stop and the cops were asking him questions. They're like, what's the worst arena? And there's, and he said, Philadelphia, cause it's so cold. <laughs> yep. And he was quiet. <laughs> and, and I don't agree with Trez with a ton of stuff. He was absolutely right about that. And he was, <laughs> they were like, yeah, cause weren't the cops like, doesn't it have to do with the fans. He's like, no man, it's just the arena. That's all. Yeah. Like, yeah, they, oh, the fans cool. are fine. yeah. Yeah, I, I just don't want to be one of those people because I swore I always swore to myself I'd never be one of the playoff people who like doesn't go to any of the regular season games all year long. And then when the playoffs start, they just show up for the playoffs <laughs> and act like they've been jabroni. The whole time. Yeah, yeah. So I'm just like, I don't I could never I could never turn myself into a playoff person. So maybe I got to get down to like one or two games in March or whatever. Then maybe uh, sure. It's give myself a landing landing pad for for, for coming in, you know. But uh, yeah, no, I miss it. I got to come down and. Say hey to everybody. I don't miss the bowels of the Wells Fargo Center, but I uh, yeah, I don't miss the bowels, and I, I don't want you know 
people people on the pod to like the people in the chat to think like I'm I'm dumping too much. Like it's it's one of the best arenas in terms of fans in the league. Yeah, like it's yeah. they it's sell out most nights, but it's just it's just old yeah. like where the uh yeah. where the teams play. And it's certainly it's beat up. It's beat up. There's a lot of foot traffic down there. I mean, there's just a million people. <laughs> You're walking over to the press conference area and you see yeah. like a dude uh, pushing a huge garbage can next to you. There's so much garbage. It's it's more garbage than you've ever I mean, seen in your life. It's yeah, just floating yes, around too. and they're going to run into you. And <laughs> when they do the changeovers on a Saturday, it's like, oh yeah. my God. Get and then you have the here. local dance, the local dance team that's performing uh, at halftime. They have like no four of them. Yeah, so they, they're in yeah. like the the sprawled across like the Look at these two big J's just complaining this is, about their this work is big environment. for a living. Some yeah. guys, some guys doing, uh, some guys laying concrete and other guys doing roofing in 90 degree weather. And these guys are talking about the, the cold of the uh, Wells yeah. Fargo Center. Proud of it too. It's, too, it's too cold in the dunk squads in my way when I'm trying to get to the locker room area. You know, yeah, life is, like life it, is hard when you're a big J. It's like Shy Gildas Alexander being like, what What could we do to get people to dunk contest? We're like, oh, well, we should get paid more as he's sitting in a fur coat after the All-Star <laughs> game. That probably costs some people's mortgage. <laughs> the one thing on the dunk contest, I do agree with people who say that LeBron ruined it. Like and, and <laughs> ruined it. I, I do not participating in it. Yeah, because you got to do it once to keep it going. If, if he if did you were, say he if, was going to do it, he never did it. He never did it, and that's why Mac McClung. It's they got lucky that the best dunker in you know in America at this point is a guy who is making eighty thousand dollars in the G League. He's like, oh, of course I'll do it. <laughs> well, we'll see. Time will tell if I become a playoff person or not. But uh, if I see you in person, Rich, it'll be good to see you again. And if not, uh, thanks for coming on, man. We appreciate. It. We're getting it back to the Sixers around here. We're slowly, uh, slowly, slowly weaning ourselves off the off the Eagles. So uh, it's good to have you, man. <laughs> All right, see you guys. That was fun. Thanks, Rich. Thanks, bro. <laughs> can you hear the? Can you hear the? The twenty man band of uh, weed whackers and lawnmowers in the background right now. Oh, I was hearing something back there. Okay. I didn't know what it was. Yeah. All right, let's wrap this shit up because yeah. okay. <laughs> the yard yard work crew is coming around. For yeah, we're right by the pool over yeah. here. Yeah. So uh, yeah, there's about twenty guys in orange shirts doing uh, meticulously landscaping right now. Doing a great job though. I gotta get I gotta get back to the website. I scheduled out like three stories. I don't know what any of them are though. So I gotta just uh make sure we're all good. Maybe I just get some yard work going later this afternoon. Hey, there you go. All right. Well, hey, February. thanks for coming on. Hey, shout out to Matt Groves. What a question out of the chat. Good job, oh, I'm chat. Sorry. I'm sorry. T oh, insists that we talk yeah, about sorry, that. sorry. Okay. So uh do you want to break any news here? You going to 975? No, I don't really know what there is to talk about. 97.5, the Fanatic, has the union radio rights this year, so they're going to be on the Fanatic. I was doing the post-game show for the Gambler, but then the contract ran out. So that's it. There, Are you happy now, T? We got your – if you want to hear more about the union, you can listen to my podcast. It's always soccer in Philadelphia. That's a good plug, Kev. Wait, so no Kevin Kincaid to the Fanatic? Because I don't think they have anyone that can talk to the union right now at the Fanatic. Well, I don't know if they're doing a post-game show or not. They're, they're, I mean, they have the radio rights and the radio oh. broadcast, but it's you're right. So it's Dave Leno and it's uh, Shane and Williams and the guys who were doing it for the Gambler are going over. But it was like me and Sean Brace and John Jansen and Joe Tanzi would come on the, you know, would do the the radio post-game show on the back end. So I don't, I don't know if the Fanatics going to do that or not. I don't know if they're going to do a post-game show. But no, nobody. To answer the question, nobody has approached me about anything. Which would probably be a conflict of interest anyway, you know? So, What would it be a conflict of interest? Well, I can't take a paycheck from the Fanatic if I'm writing all the radio stuff. 
Give it to me. Give you the you paycheck. Write it. You write it. No, no, no. I don't want the paycheck for 97.5. I don't want to talk about, I don't want to talk about the union. I said, you write it. Okay. I'll copy and paste it and we'll put it under me. I'll just change the author name. Yeah, change the author. Like, we just put like crossing broad staff. Or we'll no, we'll, we'll yeah, or that, or we can just do like a pen name, like Lemony Snicket. He wrote all the uh, unfortunate <laughs> events. Um, yeah. yeah, I don't yeah. know. Uh, I'll, just, I'll do. I'll come up with a pseudonym like KP, yeah. KP Jones or something. MLS or uh, yeah. I don't know. We could. I don't know. I wish I was quicker on my feet right now, but there would be a really funny one, like a yeah, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, well, yeah, that's like a that's like a dickhead thing to do, isn't it? Like using your initials when you're an art an author. Like, what if I became KP Kincaid? Jesus that be like the douchiest Coming thing. RL Stein's throat, Kev. RL Stein. Well, he was just a children's. Well, I, I shouldn't say this, but Missinelli went by <laughs> went by MG Missinelli for a while. <laughs> Wait, what? Yeah, what when was he was a before his radio days, he was he went by MG Missinelli in the newspaper. Oh, because I thought he was. I thought you were talking about his Corgi book he wrote. He wrote it as MG Mississippi. No, 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 not about uh Shima. Shima. No, his, his his dog book was just Mike Messinelli, I guess. So oh my god. All right. Well, hey, that's the broadcast for today. Thank you to everybody. Hey, shut up, Wallart dickhead. Um uh, <laughs> chat's getting real mouthy lately. All right. Chat's getting real mouthy. We might have to put a stop to the chat. Getting real mouthy in this bitch. I read um, that in the Philly captain's voice, by the way. Yeah, dickhead. Yeah. Dickhead. Um, we uh we love the chat. Thank you, chat, for always coming on. Uh, shout out to Rich Hoffman. Shout out to Craig from the ones and twos. He worked really hard today. Um, shout out to you, Kinker. And uh, promise that when you get the 97.5 job, you'll break it on here, please. I don't think I'm doing the. Okay. When you get the 97.5 job, break it on here. Thank you. All right. Okay. Uh, that is the, the show for today. We will talk to you. Later.